Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. everyone. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show on this bright and sunny Saturday afternoon here. And hopefully you've had a good week. We're at the tail end of the week and I just know things have been going just bright and sunny for you. Yes. And for those of you who are in the Midwest and the Northeast, you have my sympathies. I Hey, I've lived in those regions. I know what that's like. But that's okay. You're still here. If you're still listening to us, that's what counts? You're still here. Staying safe, staying healthy, right? Okay. Well, let me get to our show. We have a lot of guests. Actually, we have two guests, but they have a lot to talk about. It's uh, they got some great stuff going. Great, great projects here. Okay, starting with our first guest. I will tell you this. Our second guest, if you are a fan of Netflix's Cobra Kai, not too many people are not a fan Stay tuned because we have one of the principal actors from Cobra Kai joining us shortly. But first, let's talk about our first guest here. Wow, we all are just inundated with social media, social media, everything, everywhere you turn is social media. I'm like on social media overload. Well, our guest is uh, a director and he's also a technology expert. His name is Nick Bilton, and he has a documentary film that will be airing on HBO on Tuesday, February 2nd, from 9 to 10.30 p.m. The title of it is Fake Famous, and it will also be streaming on HBO Max. So put that in your bonnet there. This is his first time uh, directing, but that's okay. He, as I said, he's a veteran journalist, specializing in the area of technology, which is such a part of our lives here. What this documentary does is that it delves into the world of influencers on social media. Yeah, influencers. Who are these people? What is an influencer as it pertains to social media? And so that is what the documentary is about. It it does an experiment of sorts to show how easily influenced we, the public, and also corporate business people can be influenced by these people who have branded themselves as influencers. But as the film will show, a lot of this, these I mean, some of these people, just a handful actually, really are legitimate on what they say they can do for a brand or a product. You know, some of them really are. But for the most part, there are millions of them who who are like, um, shall we say fake? <laughs> yes. And a lot of this is based largely on fantasy. 
Yeah. The want to be famous. I want to be. I'm trying to be. I wish I could be famous. That's what a lot of this is all about. So I'm going to, uh, I've been given the notification here that our guest is on our other line here. Again, it's, his name is Nick Bilton, and he is the director of the new documentary, Fake Famous, that will be debuting on HBO on Tuesday, February 2nd, and also on HBO Max. So let's switch over and bring him on board right now. Hey, how you doing? Hi, Nick. I'm doing great. I'm just uh, very anxious to talk to you um, about your new documentary that will be premiering on HBO uh, and HBO Max in streaming format on February 2nd. 9 to 10:30 p.m. So, I this is this topic is something that I'm very fascinated by. Um Fake Famous is the title, and I understand that the impetus for this documentary really started with a social experiment because you cover technology, I understand. So, tell us about how this all got started. So, it got started because I have been a reporter for about 20 years and I was, um, you know, over the years I've covered bots and the rise of them on social media and, of course, covered social media. I wrote a book on Twitter and um, wrote for the New York Times about Snapchat and Facebook and all the rest of them. And uh, Graydon Carter, who was my editor of Vanity Fair, had said to me, um, we should do a, a documentary on influencers. And I said, jokingly, I said, well, I could make an influencer in about five minutes. And he said, well, that's the documentary. And so we set out to... To, to essentially make it three people into fake influences to see how their lives would change. And that was the way the whole thing began. Well, it turned out to be something that is uh, quite fascinating. Um, you know, so so I understand that you guys had uh, an audition or some auditions in Los Angeles. And so, you know, were you looking for any particular types? of people, or how did that go about as far as the audition is concerned? So what we did was we, we didn't really know how we were going to find our three influencers, and then we had the idea, let's just ask people, do you want to be famous? And so we put out a casting call <clears throat> asking that very question, and, you know, like a traditional one when you're trying to, you know, find someone for a commercial or something. And <clears throat> we just put it out on, I think, one service, um, and uh, we had 5,000 responses almost immediately um, just from that simple question, and then we got everyone narrowed down to a few hundred people, um, and then from that from that few hundred people, we, um, <clears throat> we picked three. Uh, we were originally going to pick two, but we picked three, and then we started to, you know, they all had a 1,000 followers or less. Um, that was the, the one criteria we had. And then we started to take them, and I started to buy them fake followers online and fake likes and fake comments. And we did a bunch of fake photo shoots where we pretended we were in, you know, a spa when we were really just in my backyard in a kiddie pool, and we pretended that we were hiking in the redwoods when we were really just, you know, in front of a tree on the street. All these different things that we did. Um, one of my favorites was when we took um, – we took a, a toilet seat, a twelve dollar toilet seat, and you can hold it up against the screen, uh, the, any screen, a TV, a, a, a laptop, with a picture on the back of, um, of 
that you would see out of a window, like of a from from the sky, and it looks like you're sitting on a private jet when you crop the photo. So uh, we just did a bunch of that, and then we wanted to see kind of what would happen from there. And I have seen that that picture. It's, it's of course now world famous, but who would have ever thought? Because the minute you look at it, you think they're on a private private Cessna or something. It's it's very ingenious. Wow. Okay. So all the whole experiment, of course, was about this insatiable desire that our culture seems to have with wanting to be famous. So exactly what is an influencer as it pertains to the world of social media? So an influencer is essentially someone who, quote, unquote, influences. And, um, you know, it's kind of a weird term because technically, I guess, anyone could be an influencer because they influence other people. But but the, the term influencer really is applied to someone who has a large following online who uses that following to kind of push brands and and vacations and things like that, whatever they they specialize in. And there's all different kinds of influencers. There's like car influencers and, and health and, and beauty influencers and um, and fashion. And, you know, they just run the gamut from, from everything. And the, the problem that I have with the whole concept is, is twofold. It's one is, you know, there are – on Instagram, 140 million people who have over 100,000 followers, right? So, and they are all considered famous influencers. And the question I have is, how can 140 million people be famous? That doesn't make yeah. sense. That's half the population of the United States or the population of Russia, which is essentially why we wanted to do this experiment to show that it's all just a figment of your imagination and 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 of fake bots and so on. And and so. What we did was we took our three uh, uh, subjects and we bought them, you know, tens of thousands of followers to see if they could be perceived as influencers. And for one of them, it actually worked out and she became a, you know, what you could consider a famous influencer. And I understand that uh, in, the, in case of the experiment that you guys did, the experiment that you did, that a lot of some of them or maybe it was one or two of them, because um, we don't want to, of course, give away too much. We want people to go look at the HBO February 2. Um, they got a lot of financial incentives, and they got um, different companies, big major companies, were approaching them to endorse their different products and such. So what are some of the, the items and uh, amounts of money that they were offered or maybe received? So we, we didn't actually spend that much buying the bots. It, you know, I, I did a lot of experimenting, and it probably could pull off what I pulled off for a couple of thousand dollars. And the return on that investment, I mean, look, it's a lot of work. That's definitely one aspect, of, as, as people will see in the film. It's a tremendous amount of work. But the return on investment for, for this was pretty, you know, it paid off pretty quickly. Um, one of the subjects, she ended up getting – just every day she would come home and there would be piles of boxes at her front door with people that had sent her stuff because they believed she had a quarter million followers and they wanted her to share the products that they, you know, they sold to, to, to her followers. And she got jewelry and makeup and uh, drinks and food and a coffee machine and a bed and just list went on and on and on. We got invited to um, to a, an influencer road trip, uh, there was just it was kind of amazing to see how quickly it happened. And what was also fascinating was 
was how we didn't have to do a lot of work for it to happen. The brand started to find her, um, and uh, and it was really kind of eye-opening because all they're looking at is this number, and the number most of the time is just completely made up. One of the things that I find quite fascinating, especially when about you know large corporations, large companies, is like you just said, they just look at the numbers. So there is no person or a department that goes and research, delve into to find out if these numbers are padded or if they're real or not. That's what I find amazing. Well, you know, they do. They do have that stuff. Um, but it's it's largely, you know, it's it's you've got the people who make the bots who make a lot of money doing that, you know, sometimes tens of millions of dollars. And then you have the people who buy the bots who, uh, you know, like the, the influencers that, that purchase them and the companies that purchase them for, for, for artists and so on. And so they're spending a lot of money and reaping a lot of money in return. You've got, you know, this, the, the, these companies, these social media outlets that have, if they actually were to police the bots and to get rid of them, their user numbers would fall probably by around half or so. Um, so you would have like a company like Instagram who would probably lose hundreds of millions of followers on, on, on their people, you know, active users on their accounts. And so it's not really in anyone's incentive to kind of solve this problem except for the companies. And I think the companies are, it's just, they're, they're in a little over their head, to be honest. I think that they, you know, all they really have access to is software that can kind of somewhat determine if someone is, has a real or, or, or fake following, but I think so many people have a fake following that the, the algorithm has a really difficult time understanding what's real and what's not. And then on top of that, you also have um, uh, the, the fact that the, the, the bots are always getting better and better and better, and so they're hard to distinguish. And so these companies essentially are just throwing spaghetti against the wall, hoping that you know once in a while uh, they actually – reach the the audience they're trying to reach. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's a lot of waste of money. And for the benefit of uh, our listeners out there, we have maybe a few who are not totally familiar with what a bot is. So since you're a technology expert here, in layman's terms, tell everybody what is a bot and how does it work? So a bot is essentially an algorithm that someone writes. It's a, a bunch of code, and what it does is it goes online, the code, and it goes to Facebook and Twitter and Google, and it, it looks for faces. So just any face it finds, you know, it could be yours, could be mine, could be could be your neighbors. It takes the faces, it puts them all in a folder, and then it goes online and it uses what's called a random name generator, and that's just a program that just makes up names, so like Bob Smith or Jane Brown or whatever it is. And then it takes that those things and it, it puts them all together, the faces with the names, and it has them sign up for accounts on social media. And it does it using the algorithms so that it can sign up for 100,000 new accounts of new fake people um, in an hour or something like that. And so they're creating millions of these a day, and then they use those accounts to then follow people and like their stuff and comment and retweet and reply and so on. But it's all fake. Uh, and so to the average person, you can look at these accounts and believe that they're real people. Uh, to someone like me who, who writes about this on a daily basis, I have a, a better chance of being able to tell, but sometimes I still can't tell um, if they're real. And, and then people pay these companies uh, that make the bots 
to make themselves appear more famous than they actually are. Wow. How now in your documentary again, fake famous? It really just kind of peels back the the covers and the layers about our our culture and our society. It, it's so fabricated. It, I mean, it's kind of sad in a way, and it's also kind of scary. So, what should people do? How do you? I mean, should you give the side eye to people who? Say, hey, I'm I'm an influencer. I'm famous. Or well, how should you deal with that? Well, look, I think at the end of the day, I don't think that that I, I think that you know, when we say this in the film, we come to this realization ourselves. Like the whole point of influencing is not to make you feel good; it's to make you feel bad. It's to say, look at this product that I got for free that you don't have, but if you want to pay for it, you can work hard and get it. Or look at this vacation I got to go on for free. And how amazing my life is and your life is not. And and so I think that the whole culture of being an influencer is is disgusting, honestly. And and I think that the you know, it's one thing if you're an actor or an actress or a basketball player, you if you if you're famous for some talent and you're you're giving someone an aspiration and a dream that they can get there too because of that talent, because of the art that they create or the or how much hard work they put in. But influencing an influencer culture is not that. It's just it's a lot of times it's luck, a lot of times it's manipulation, and a lot and all the time from from the bottom to the top, it's it's people making other people feel worse about themselves. And so, I, my theory on this whole thing is don't follow them. Like they don't, they're not going to make you feel better about yourself. And we see this in the film when we talk about. The, the rise in suicide, teen suicides and depression and all these things, and this is a direct result of that. And so whether they're real or whether they're not, at the end of the day, they're not making you feel better, and so I don't actually think that you should engage with them in either scenario. Is there a particular generation or age group, uh, obviously Generation Z and Millennials, obviously, but what about people, let's say, 30 and older? Is that a big issue, you know, wanting to be influencers, or is it just across, across the board? Yeah, every, everyone wants it. <clears throat> I mean, the, you know, there's a study, we talk about this in the beginning of the film, there's a study that was done a couple of years ago where they asked American teens if they want to be when they were up, and they've done the longitudinal study for years, and you know, it used to be, oh, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a doctor, I want to be an astronaut, and now 87% of kids in America they want to be a famous influencer. And because they think it's this grandiose lifestyle that it really isn't. But you also have, you know, a lot of older influencers. I mean, look, Kim Kardashian, who, you know, news reports have said that she has half of her followers are fake and not real. That means almost 80 million or so. Um, You know, she's a a grown woman who who has built a, a, a... an entire empire on, on this whole culture of being fake, you know, and I think that you have people that have gone from, uh, you know, from teenagers, you have little kids that are fake, that are, that are influencers, uh, teenagers, adults. There's, um, when we were working on the film that we found some pets, you know, cats and dogs, we found some grandparents that have become famous influencers. I mean, it runs the gamut because, there are 140 million people with over 100,000 followers. So um, everyone is kind of taking advantage of this at this moment. Oh, my goodness. Any advice to, to parents with teenagers or preteens about who are fascinated by this fake influencer, famous stuff? What do you have to say to them? 
take your kid's phone and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I think, look, I think that you, that the problem is, is that this stuff is happening and moving so quickly that it's, it's really difficult to discern what's good and what's bad and what's real. There are, there are upsides to all of this, you know, to social media. There's, if it wasn't for social media, we wouldn't have the Black Lives Matter movement. We wouldn't have had the Iranian revolution. We wouldn't have you know, so many things that have happened in recent years, but there are dark sides to it. And I think it's really important to to educate your kids and, and let them know, um, you know, what what's real and what's fake. And if you have if you have any inkling that that it's not real or not good, then you shouldn't let them engage with it. And I think that, um, you know, that, that these things should be taken with a grain of salt. I think anyone whose kid wants to be a famous influencer, you should really, you know, sit them down, let them read something about it, watch the film, whatever it is, um, and um, and point out that that dream they have is is largely just made up. Is there one or two or three or is it all equal uh, as far as social media platforms is one does one have more influencers than the other, or are they all about the same? I mean, they all have they all have millions and millions of influencers, um, but Instagram's pretty bad because they've done so little to police the bots. Um, you know, uh, Snapchat is actually pretty good because you can't actually see how many followers someone has, so uh, it's more difficult to fake it. People still buy things on there, but you know, fake engagement and so on. Um, TikTok has, of course, become like the new hot place people go, but you can still buy fake followers on there and fake engagement. And so, you know, Twitter is the same. So I think it's, you know, it's largely they're all pretty on par with a couple of them standing out as being worse than others. Um, and I think that the at the end of the day, it's just this is a product of the Internet. You know, you can you can buy anything online. You can buy fake bids on eBay listings. You can buy book reviews, movie reviews, Yelp reviews. You can buy fake followers, You know, just anything you want. Fake views on your YouTube videos, fake comments, fake likes, fake dislikes. It's all for sale. And so when you see those numbers online, no matter what they are and whose name they're next to, just keep in mind that they're probably not real. Oh, man, that's that is fascinating. That is so fascinating. I knew about that you could buy certain likes and all that, but I didn't know until just now about the reviews. I didn't know. Gosh, I did not know that. Thank yeah, you. you could you could buy reviews for this radio show. You could you could um, you know you could anything you want. Literally anything you want is for sale. Gosh, that's amazing. Well, I understand this was your uh, first time being a director. What was that like for you? It was great. I mean, it was, you know, for me, I definitely threw myself into the deep end. We started this project with no idea if it would actually work. And so it was kind of like, there was, I, in my mind, I had a couple of different different views on what, what the movie might end up being. We were really lucky that it did work out as a social experiment. But, you know, we were also halfway through filming. COVID hit. You know, when we finally got back up and running and we could film again, we were out at the famous Pink Wall in, in, in uh Los Angeles filming and the Black Lives Matter protests uh, started and we had the, the, the wall was riots and, you know, every time we were trying to do something, something went wrong. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it was an amazing experience. I 
I was a photographer before, a photojournalist, and uh, and have worked in you know written books and and so being a director on this project, I got to kind of wear all the different hats I've worn in the past, all within within one project, and and I I really loved the experience. It was uh it was just amazing. I had an amazing team of producers and DP and everybody, and we um we just uh, we all came together and just made this it, what I think turned out to be a great film. And lastly, uh, your three people who uh, your social media influencers did they go on to live happily ever after after the experiment was over or what? Well, um, I won't give them all away, but I will. I'll tell you the. I'll tell you the, uh, the two of them. Um, one of them, the guy Wiley, who kind of freaks out in the middle middle of it all. Um, he, uh, you know, he starts to kind of become anxious and depressed because of all the, the engagement and so on and. And he is actually going to go on now to be a psychologist to work with kids who are going through the same thing. So that's great. That is great. That's not in the film. And, and, um, and Dominique, our, our quote unquote influencer, um, I stopped buying her bots and comments and now she has another hundred thousand of them because people, real people have started to follow her because they think she's actually a famous influencer. So it'll be interesting to see how her life changes moving forward. You know something, Nick, I think our culture is just so far gone. Even if they, you know, when they see the film and they find out that, oh, this was just an experiment, I think people are going to just not care. They're just like, oh, okay, so what? <laughs> just we're just Well, maybe maybe some of them, but I, I do think some people will see this and think, rethink kind of, you know, especially if you're younger and you, you have an opportunity to kind of really see what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um my hope is that maybe it'll change a couple of minds. Hopefully, two, two out of a hundred million. Eight <laughs> <laughs> two is better than nothing. It's better than nothing. I'll take two. Well, anyway, Nick, again, the, the documentary is HBO's Fake Famous. Love the the title. Just those two words sum it all up. Debuting on HBO and streaming later on HBO Max Tuesday, February 2, 9 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Time. So thank you, Nick, so much. Hopefully this will not be your last film. You got any others in the in the can that you're working on or what? Yeah, I definitely have a bunch of a bunch of different projects that I'm working on, some scripted stuff, oh, non scripted and um so we'll see we'll see what what happens. It is Hollywood, so uh -huh. you know, it's uh it, it moves at the glacial the glacial pace that it does. So we'll oh, see yes. we'll see where things end up. We will definitely <laughs> find out. That's that's Hollywood. Oh my god. I don't I don't know why stuff moves so slow in Hollywood. It's a miracle any film gets done in Hollywood. No, it's Truly, it truly is. I, for me, it's like just to see this coming out is is uh, is incredibly exciting. So yeah, totally and then, agree. And then add COVID on top of it to make it even more slower to get out. So mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, definitely. Okay, well, thank you again, and uh, hopefully everyone, as many as possible, 140 million at least, will tune in on February 2nd uh, to see what this is all about. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, because like I said, I'm very fascinated by the whole topic. So thank you guys for doing such a great job, and thank you for the chat. To the, uh, thank chat. you. Appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you so much, Nick Bilton. Um, the documentary, again, is titled Fake Famous. will be debuting on HBO and HBO Max streaming Tuesday, February 2nd, 9 p.m., 10 30 p.m. That's a long documentary, but I've seen it. 
I cheated. I've seen it. And it is quite interesting. So what does that say about us as a society that we are so caught up and enamored by wanting to be famous, trying to be famous, or people who genuinely are famous? Nothing against people who are famous for you know, a very good reason, their talents as far as uh, acting or sports or whatever it is. But um, this is a bit much to me. Some people are just not, some people are just not worthy of trying to be famous. They really aren't. But anyway, <laughs> we'll tune in. Fake, fake famous. Uh, Tuesday night and uh, you get your spin on it. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with more of Film Festival Radio right after this. You know that theme song. You know that music. For those of you who are fans of Netflix hit show, Cobra Kai, you know that's a snippet of uh, music from the show, their theme song. And that brings me to my next guest. His name is Han Soto, and he is, oh my God, he stars as that guy for season three of Cobra Kai. He is the evil, diabolical, Fam Ming Pao. I think I'm pronouncing it properly. But when we bring him on board, we'll, I'll ask him to make sure I have it right. But the, the, you know the character, Fam. I'm just going to call him Fam, P-H-A-M, Fam. And again, the actor is Han Soto. And his character, Fam, is the soldier who kept John Kreese's prisoner during John's time at war. Yeah, and he kind of sort of really ended up naming Kreese's future dojo. So if you have not watched Cobra Kai, I am probably speaking some language backwards for you, some Martian language. But for those of you who are fans of the show, you know who and what I'm talking about. And if you have not uh, tuned in to Cobra Kai, this is the time you might want to just binge watch it. We're, you know, they're at season three now. But anyway, our guest, again, is Han, and he plays this really wild, wildly evil character. And, you know, Han is a really nice guy, of course. It's always the case. These actors who play these real, real villainous characters, they usually are so opposite and nice, but that just shows you how much talent they have. Uh, Han, we've seen him in the series uh, Preacher. He started as Ding uh, Lee on Magic City opposite Jeffrey Dean Morgan films. He's been in Grudge Match with Sylvester Stallone uh, and Robert De Niro, Olympus is Falling, Looper with Bruce Willis, in which he performed, yes, Han performed his own stunts for that film. So um, I've been given the cue that he is uh, waiting to talk to us. I understand that he is traveling he's on he's driving so if it's some noise just bear with us because I really am anxious to talk with Han and uh, to find out more about his character and what he thinks of it and etc etc so let's bring Han on board right now and let's get on into his business on Cobra Kai 
there. Here we are. Did you hear me once? Because I want a uh, Bluetooth in the car. I hear you loud and clear. No problem. Well, hon, speaking of Cobra Kai, yes, you are that guy. Your character. <laughs> Season three, you got a new character. Pronounce his name for me, because is it Fom Ming Tao? Yeah, that is the phonetic uh, pronunciation, but in Vietnamese, if you're going to use the accent, it's Fat uh, Min Tao. Ah, okay. Well, as the way it goes, you that's the guy, and he is making life, uh, well, he's kind of sort of made life pretty miserable for John Kreese here when he was a prisoner. So, he, your, your character is really evil. Uh, I understand that he takes evil when you get in depth to this character. He's like level 58 on the Richter scale of evil. So just tell everybody when you first read about him and the his script, you know, the character in the script, how evil, how in depthly evil is this guy? I mean, look, he, he's in he's in a space uh, where he's each one 
Katrina because I was living in New Orleans at the time. And uh, we, we ran a very successful crew and, and we just had a really good culture around us. And, you know, everyone who worked together loved each other. So um, the business just kind of organically built itself because the work was there. Person at the coffee shop, or they're recognizing you, or, or what? 
far as Cobra Kai is, is, is concerned, are you surprised that it's such a big hit? Am I surprised that what? That Cobra Kai is such a huge hit. Oh, yeah, I mean, not really. I think, I think, uh, I, it had a built-in audience to begin with, which is, you know, people like me who grew up with Karate Kid, but I think it did a great job, um, bridging the gap between our generation and the millennials, you know, because it, it tackled a lot of issues that, that they deal with now. And, but it still kind of maintains that authenticity of what it was. And finally, uh, we know you, you mentioned earlier that you've got a, a new business venture going, you and your business partner. So as far as acting, um, any projects that you can speak about that we can look forward to seeing you in? Yeah, we have a, well, seeing me in or seeing us producing? How about both? We'll just get all in your business. Yeah, so... <laughs> so in, 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 I am uh, in, in a movie called Reminiscence that I play um, a high-profile lawyer who is uh, who plays opposite uh, Hugh Jackman, which is a nice little reunion because I, I worked with him on Logan. Um, that should be coming out this year in terms of what we're distributing. Uh, we have a very good movie coming out tomorrow called Haymaker. I think you, you should really earmark that and, and check it out. It's, uh, it's a very elevated film. Uh, the filmmaker's amazing. We love working with Nick Sasso. And, and, uh, and yeah, we're, we're putting out two, two movies uh, per month. We're acquiring two movies per month for Gravitas and Red Arrow Studios. That's our partnership. And, yeah, and, and by, I think by the end of 2021, you'll start seeing a flood of films come through the distribution label. Um, we did just finish production on um, during COVID on one of our movies called Dash Camp. Um, keep an eye out on that as well. Okay. Okay. So is there a website that we can say hello to you and social media handles and such? Um, you know, website and social media handles are, are pretty much the same. Um, our distribution label is called at Kamikaze Dog Fight. So it's K-A-M-I-K-A-Z-E Dog Fight. And uh, my personal Instagram is at Han Soto, H-A-N-S-O-T-O. All right. What a title. Kamikaze <laughs> Dogfight. Got to know the backstory. Why did you guys come up with that name? I just, uh, you know, look, we're, we're crazy. We're filmmakers, and we're crazy. We fight for our filmmakers, <laughs> and we'll go head first in for, for them. And that's, you know, the, the business is always, you're always in the dogfight somewhere, yeah. like an airplane, you know, yeah, you're always in the sky, dogfighting, whether you're maneuvering around or whether you're chasing, it's, it's you're either, either getting chased or you're chasing, right? Yeah. Um, our, uh, our, anime, our animated logo, we're very proud of. Um, and uh, shout out to my buddy, uh, Cody Chamberlain, who actually designed our logo about uh, eight years ago. So I had this, I had this company. I uh, started as a production company a long time ago, but it never took off because I, I didn't really pull the trigger on it. And it wasn't until recently when we were brainstorming of what the company would be called, I just threw it in the mix. And uh, gratefully, it was the only one that was picked. <laughs> I like the title, though. It's very memorable, quite memorable. So, okay, Han, uh, more Cobra Kai to come, obviously. Um 
can your guy get any more evil or has he reached has he has he bottomed out on the evilness or what? I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I think he could I think he get more evil. He he was putting cigarette butts out on his, his eyeballs, so I think oh. that's pretty evil. Oh my god, yeah. I wear contact lenses, I'm gonna have see hon, I'm gonna have that envision in my brain the rest of the day. <laughs> Well, if you wear contact lenses, he he, he would he'd be the type of guy who would break your contact lens oh. and put it back. And yeah. if you ever had a broken contact in your eye, oh. that is painful. That's painful. Yes, I've had had a chip once uh, and a tear oh. on one of them. Yes, yeah, it's, oh. it's yeah. worse. Yeah. So, Tom, he he takes it to the next level. Oh goodness. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say you. You see this guy at, at Starbucks yeah. getting coffee? You let him go first. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you buy him the drinks. <laughs> yes. Let him go first. Buy him. Give, buy him a whole stack of coupons or, or whatever. Uh, gift cards, I mean. So, yeah. <laughs> Ask him what he wants tomorrow, you know? And then you buy him another car tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Hon, you have been so much fun to chat with. It's so... Thank you for giving us some backstories about Cobra Kai and your wild and funny, well, they're not funny, but good characters. And uh, just, just thank you so much for the chat. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Of course, I appreciate you too. Okay, and we'll see you, uh, of course, on Cobra Kai, Netflix, Haymaker, uh, and all of the other films that, that you guys are going to be releasing the later this year. Thank you. Sounds good. Okay, take Enjoy care. Your day. Okay, thank you so much, Han. Oh, man, I had such a good time chatting with him. And once again, you can catch him and the rest of the gang, Netflix's hit series, Cobra Kai. Yes, season three. We're all up in season three. So um, he, he I, just, I just had so much fun chatting with him. He's just involved with not only his acting and entertainment career as a businessman, and also he does a lot of philanthropy work uh, with different organizations that impact and help children and adults around the world. Really cool guy there. So, okay, we are out of time. Yes. Want to thank both of our guests for joining us on this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. And, of course, we always want to thank you listeners for joining us. And hopefully you will have a really cool, fantastic, fun week next week. Do everything you can to do that. Sometimes I have to force myself, but I do it anyway. And so we'll do it again next weekend. So have a great week, and we'll see you next weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.